This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. Today, our guest is Vishal Talreha, co-founder of Dream a Dream, a nonprofit organization that is working on empowering young people from vulnerable backgrounds by developing their life skills and at the same time sensitizing the community through active volunteering, leading to a non-discriminatory society where differences can be appreciated. After graduating from Bangalore University and spending three years in the corporate sector with Xerox and technology holdings, Vishal moved from investment banking to dream banking. He took over the reins of Dream a Dream in 2002 and serves as the executive director of Dream a Dream, where he is involved in its vision achievement, strategic direction, and day-to-day management. Over the past 12 years, Dream a Dream has grown to impact the lives of over 12,000 young people through the active support of over 1,800 volunteers. Among its many honors, Dream a Dream was the regional finalist at the India NGO Awards in 2007 and 2010, and it was also a silver winner at the Global Sports Forum in Barcelona in 2011. Vishal also has the honor of being an Ashoka Fellow and was recently elected as an Eisenhower Fellow. These are two fellowships that we both share. Vishal, thank you so much for joining us today on Innovate Podcast. I would like to ask you to begin by telling us a little bit about your personal background and how you formed the inspiration to create Dream a Dream. Uh, sure, David. Uh, firstly, let me say I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here, and thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I was born and brought up in India, uh, born to a you know, relatively conservative Indian family there. Uh, there was a lot of focus on uh, academic achievement all through my growing up years. Uh, uh, so all through uh, school and uh, you know, graduate education, uh, I've performed very well in academic education, and uh, I was all set to build a career uh, in, in management and business and consulting. Uh, and while I was growing up, I didn't really have any experience to volunteering or to the whole uh, you know, non-profit sector in India. Uh, you know, so there was very little understanding of the work done in this space. Uh, after I joined work, uh, I got a chance to go on a uh, cultural exchange program to Finland for about three months, which is where uh, my personal journey started. Uh, being in Finland for three months and you know, Finland largely working on a strong welfare economy system, uh, I got an opportunity to meet uh, people from all backgrounds. One of them who influenced me deeply was this young lady who had spent uh, six months volunteering in a village in India. And uh, when I met her and we exchanged notes, uh, one of the things she mentioned was that she works uh, at a bar in the evenings to earn a livelihood. Uh, this brought about actually a very strong reaction from me uh, because I started thinking about why, uh, how could I be friends with someone who works at a bar? I wouldn't do that back in India. 
and uh, you know when i started thinking about why wouldn't i do that in india i realized that i had been brought up largely uh, in a very sheltered uh, environment uh, where uh, you know class played a very deep role in defining who i was and the spaces that i occupied uh, i was not allowed to play with kids on the street uh, you know the, the domestic help in our house used to sit on the floor and have a meal and while we sat on the table and i remember as a child questioning this and the answer i was given is that this is how things are uh, but here in finland i saw a completely different uh, you know, setup where Uh, this young lady was extremely proud of who she was and the, the kind of life she led and the kind of work she did she had a very high dignity about the work that she did which is what got me thinking on this whole idea of uh, dignity and why uh, in india that there is this huge invisible population that provides us invaluable services but we don't even look at them we don't know who they are what their names are what their families are like uh so you know being young in 21 uh, i i had i had some big ideas and i wrote down in my diary that i want to go back to india and change the way we as a country look at dignity look at compassion and respect and appreciation for one another uh and that's how my journey started so when i came back to finland got together with a bunch of people who had common interests and we started dreamtree that is a, such a powerful story and it seems that a central theme there is about an early experience that you had in which you had a breakthrough in understanding the life experience of someone that was outside your normal social circle and of course this really ties into the skill of empathy which as you know is something that Ashoka is really focusing on now the work of Ashoka fellows around the world in the area of empathy i'd like to ask you to tell another story that i have heard you tell uh, in doing some of the research for this um interview and it relates to an experience that you had early in the very very early in the founding of dream a dream where you and your co-founders went to visit a group of hiv positive children i wonder if you could share that i found it very inspirational yeah surely um yeah, it it was very early experience and uh, uh, you know when we started dream a dream we had uh, no clue of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to go about this big idea of uh, you know appreciating unique differences Uh, so we found a mentor who suggested we visit this uh, shelter home for hiv positive children and until then we we hadn't really understood what hiv or aids was and you know how one gets it uh, so we got a little bit of brief uh, from the counselors and uh, we decided on a particular sunday to meet these children and take them out on a picnic uh, and i remember we were all very worried and uh, you know concerned that you know could we play with the children could we hug them could we touch them uh, how would we react when we meet them uh, and as we parked our vehicles we saw a bunch of 15 16 children running up to us dressed in their best sunday clothes uh, and they were jumping all over us tugging at my shirt pulling at my hair and asking me who i was and where we were taking them and in those first 10 seconds uh any prejudice or you know uh, any kind of stereotype i had about hiv positive people just melted away because what i saw was a bunch of very excited and happy kids who just wanted to do things that any other kid in my family would like to do and if we put these kids in 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 in, uh, in a public space like a park 
no one will be able to make a difference you know they 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 are brats they throw tantrums uh, they love to laugh and uh, they love to do things uh, so that was my first lesson uh, in understanding uh, human beings and just uh, learning to respect another human being uh, for who they are and not just them for the backgrounds they come from one of the things i find powerful about that story is just that opportunity that breakthrough moment in which someone is able to reach out beyond their normal experience and then enter into the experience of of another person's life and it seems to me that one of the interesting things i think about dream of dream a dream is that while there is obviously a tremendous focus on the vulnerable children that your program reaches there's also something very powerful happening in the interaction between the volunteers and broadening their horizon and increasing their sense of empathy and um i wonder if i'm right about that if that's something that you have intentionally sort of built into the way that the program works that it will not only help the children but also really change the attitudes of the society towards those vulnerable children am i right about that you're absolutely right david uh, uh and i think that that again came from uh, my own experience as a volunteer because uh, you know when i started volunteering at uh, dream dream and we had these experiences with hiv positive children or children on the streets uh, the biggest impact that happened was uh, the way i started shift shifting the way i looked at myself and the life around me uh the first big impact was just asking the why questions you know, why things are in a certain way or why things have always been in a certain way uh the second was just my sense of uh, i think humanness uh, got triggered uh, because i might have interacted with a group of hiv positive children but suddenly i became a lot more sensitive about uh, environmental issues or about homeless people uh, or about alcoholism Uh, and i realized that uh, you know there was a there's a very powerful shift happening inside of me because i was engaging with with another group which which came from a vulnerable background and we translated that personal experience in understanding uh, how we could create those experiences for a larger community uh, and the big realization for us for us was that uh, a big piece of the problem are people like us because we grow up in in environments of class and you know caste based discrimination and then we become adults and we start living that same class and caste based discrimination through our lives mm. uh not really asking the questions of why we live like that but volunteering gives us a very powerful uh platform uh, to change the way we think uh, and and become the solution So the people who have come to help these children are also being helped themselves in the sense of expanding their horizon and helping to build a culture that's more sensitive to the needs of all human beings. That's what sure. I'm hearing you say. You, Dream a Dream works through a number of diverse program initiatives. I know you have sports, arts, outdoor programs, the Connect program, fun days, mentoring I wonder if you could touch briefly on those and any that I've missed and just give us an illustration of exactly how the program reaches out to these vulnerable children and engages volunteers in working with them and building relationships with them. Sure, sure. Uh I think the the, the foundation of all work that we do with young people is uh, about around developing life skills. Uh when we started working with young people from vulnerable backgrounds we realized 
that 85% of these young people, if they are in an uh, academic education program, do not go into a higher education program. 70% uh, of these young people get into unorganized labor markets uh, under the age of 18. Uh, you know, we have over 50% of the girls uh, you know, who drop out of uh, education at, the, at grade 5 level. Uh, and as we went deeper into understanding these uh, numbers, we realized that uh, the key missing link in their life is, is the ability to make healthy choices ability to make decisions, uh, ability to manage conflict and negotiate their way through life, which we put together as life skills. Uh, uh, and then we started designing programs which will create uh, life-changing experiences or learning moments uh, that will develop these life skills and make it part of their DNA. Uh, to give you an example, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we use sports and arts uh, mentoring uh, you know, life skills for career development uh, as mediums to develop these life skills. And in a particular session, we were uh, introducing children to uh, recognizing and expressing emotions like happiness, sadness, uh, disgust, anger. And we had this young 11-year-old boy who shared this experience with us. Um, so we, what we did was we taught them how to make face masks using clay to depict different kinds of emotions uh, on a person's face. Uh, and this young boy finished the session, went home that evening, and when his mom came home from work, he recognized uh, the, the emotion of sadness on her face. So he went up to her and he said, uh, Mom, you look very sad today. Can I help? Uh, and and for his for mom, that was that was an absolutely brilliant moment where you know she felt validated. And for that for that young child, it was an amazing moment of connect with with his mother. And he shared this experience with us, and was like this, this, these are the powerful moments that our programs are looking to you know, create in the, in the lives of the children so they can feel that they can take charge of their lives and, and make the right choices in their lives. One I really wanted to ask you about is the Fun Days program. Can you, can you tell me more about that? Uh, well, if, if you understand a little bit about India, uh, the, the volunteering culture in India is a very new phenomenon especially volunteering for causes uh, or volunteering with charities. Uh, it's something that's actually come into India in the last 15 odd years. Uh, so there are a lot of young people uh, who, who are you know, in colleges or in working professionals who have never volunteered in their life. So the Funday program is a very exciting program to create the first touch point for a new person who's you know, coming in to volunteer for the first time. Uh, to feel comfortable enough to volunteer and engage with someone from a different community. Uh, it's usually a half-a-day fun activity where we're probably painting a school or going to a museum or, you know, visiting, a, you know, watching a play. Uh, it's something very, uh, which, which basically is, is, is very much in the comfort zone of a volunteer. Uh, it's something that they would do with a bunch of friends or their cousins or nephews or nieces. Uh, they, they don't really need to take care of too much. Uh, everything's organized, and they just have to land up there and have a lot of fun with the children. For the children, it's a great way to you know, connect with new people, build new relationships, uh, also experience some fun and joy in their lives. So it's a win-win proposition. And, and it, it, what it helps us do is uh, you know, reach out to thousands of volunteers, create these short touch points, and then from there, we might probably get 
more than half of those volunteers coming back to us and saying, you know what, now I feel very comfortable uh, being with children. I think it's a lot of fun volunteering. Can I keep coming back? Can I do something more? And for the children, for us, it's a great way to hook them into our program and, and uh, bring that joy and happiness into their lives so that they want to keep coming back to our programs. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world, from the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions. Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Innovate interview with David Castro and Vijal Talreja of Dream a Dream. And you're making a big impact in terms of then also sensitizing the culture to the needs and issues of these populations that may be marginalized from uh, the mainstream society. That's what I, am I hearing that right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a great way for us to, uh, in a very fun and experiential way, uh, bring up issues which are sometimes uncomfortable to discuss uh, and also it's become a great way for us to build uh, relationships with corporate CSR programs. I want to ask you a question that really touches on education policy. One of the things I've heard you say in this interview and, and elsewhere uh, that you've spoken is that a cross-cutting theme of your work is the emphasis on life skills. And this emphasis on life skills really builds on the insight that India's traditional education systems, while they may be very effective in teaching knowledge along with academic skills and abilities, tend to leave out something essential for success and building a strong society. And uh, speaking as an educator in the United States, I find that we have exactly the same problem in the United States. We, we are very good at uh, building certain kinds of intellectual capacities and knowledge bases, but uh, we seem to have forgotten, especially with our marginalized populations, how to build uh, interpersonal skills and particularly the skill of empathy that allows people to succeed. So what we're really saying is that there's a missing part of our educational system that deals with this skill package. We're calling it life skills. I wonder if you could spend a few minutes just talking about your concept of what's inside that package. What, what are the skills that the system is missing and how do you and your work promote the development of those skills? Sure. Well, if 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 uh, if I have to start saying the the number of skills that there are plenty of them, there are hundreds of skills that our education system is missing. Uh, you know, be it uh, ability to interact with one another, to manage conflict, to take initiative, or simple skills, even the ability to understand and follow through with instructions, uh, you know, negotiate your way through life, making healthy choices are for us all the gamut of life skills. Uh, for, the, the, for us, the most important aspect is just even the sense of self-awareness uh, of who I am and what would I like my life to be and 
what is my connection with my family or my neighborhood or people around me and how do I then approach those relationships with a sense of uh, empathy and compassion uh, you know, are, are clearly the skills that uh, we see missing in the education system. Uh, how we go about slapping these skills uh, is really using uh, experiential mediums uh, to, to, what we, to create what we call is learning moments. Uh, you know, uh, when we create an experiential learning moment, we believe that that learning, that insight, stays with us for life. And if we can create more of those learning opportunities for those learning moments to happen in the lives of young people from vulnerable backgrounds, there are higher higher likelihood that they'll they'll get onto a path of of, of making healthy choices in life, of choosing dialogue over violence, or choosing uh, not to fight uh, over fighting, uh, 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 which is really where the problem is. Uh, you know, when we look around us, uh, 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 but just to give you an example, uh, you know, a couple of years back in the community that we were working in, there was a road accident, and uh, within a few hours, the community was all on the road and protesting and blocking the traffic. And what amazed me was, was watching this young man, who must have been all of 12 or 13 years old, uh, carrying a card. Uh, you know, of, of injustice and, and almost challenging, challenging the cops and saying, you know, beat me if you can, uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to be aggressive, I'm going to be violent. Uh, and in those moments, what I saw in his eyes was uh, just aggression and resentment. And uh, my realization was that our education system has failed uh, in, in creating a sense of humanness uh, in our young people, and I, I, I could, I was, I, I, I was dreading imagining how this young person is going to grow up uh, and what who he's going to become. So, right. Uh, so your your programs really work to build a set of skills that would have allowed that person to interact very differently um, in a situation like that. Yes. Uh, it, and we've seen great examples of that happening across the board. Uh, you know, uh, if, if there's time for a, for a quick other story of yeah. how we've known what happened, is uh, you know we had this young, one young man who came from a very violent family background, and when he joined our sports program, uh, he started beating up other kids in the program because that's the only way he knew how to react. Uh, and the coach saw that and. Uh, uh, he realized that this young person needed to channelize his aggression into the sport. So he started giving him the ball at the end of each session and saying, hit the ball and see how many, how many goals you can hit. In about six months, this young man became the best player we had in the game. And uh, today this young man is uh, all of 21 years old, completing his uh, college education. Uh, and last year, uh, when he finished his uh, his pre pre university undergrad education, he came up to me and he said, uh, "You know, uh, when I was young, I always was waiting for the day when I could grow up, because then I could uh, respond or fight back with my dad, who used to beat me up as a kid. Mm. But today, I realize that." Uh, I feel sad for my dad because when he was young, he probably didn't have the support system or, or role models that I had. 
and which is what probably made him angry and violent. So today I recognize that in him and I'm not angry with him anymore because I understand what he didn't get. Uh, so for me that was a huge shift mm. from you know, wanting to uh, fight back to basically moving into a space of empathy for his dad, uh, which was a very powerful uh, impact that our program brought about. I've read that you employ a system in your organization for collecting um, assessment data that is designed by psychologists and that looks at very specific metrics around the ability to overcome and solve problems, the ability to interact with other people, the ability to manage conflict, the ability to understand and follow directions. Could you talk a little bit about just how you develop that system and how you employ it today to measure your own progress? Sure. Uh, so when we started thinking of this whole idea of how do we measure the impact we're creating, because you know, life skills are very difficult to measure, they're soft, soft skills. We, we experimented with a lot of uh, different kinds of systems, including picking up psychometric tests, and we realized none of it was working in the Indian context. And uh, we, we were really lucky to come in touch with two UK-based psychologists uh, who have been working with us over the last seven years uh, in developing this life skills assessment tool. So it's a simple tool which, which looks at five core life skills that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's an observation-based tool which observes the child uh, on these five life skills and ranks them as not yet able to do, to able to do it with a lot of help able to do it with some help, little help, and able to do it independently. Uh, what we do is we collect a baseline study at the beginning of the program year, and then collect uh, an inline assessment at the end of the program year, uh, in, and intertwine that with comments from the evaluators about what were the specific behaviors that they saw in the young person, uh, and based on those behaviors, what is the ranking that they got. Uh, while it's, it's, it's a highly observation-based, which means it could be subjective, over the last uh, seven years of experimenting with the tool itself, we have managed to now build a very robust uh, training framework where the evaluators are trained on how do you observe some of these behavioral manifestations and then rank the kids accordingly. Uh, today, we have data for over 3,000 young people a year on the assessment tool. And what it has helped us do is one is of, of, it has definitely helped us look at each individual kid and looked at the level of improvement of life skills and uh, validate that with uh, you know, stories of change that we collect or feedback that we collect from peers, from teachers, from parents, from volunteers uh, to see if, if the observations they have seen match with the evaluator's observation. Uh, in addition to that, it's helping us even pick up trends of groups, trends of communities. So if, if there's a con particular community we're working with, uh, we realized that uh, the life skills were actually going down when we started working with the community. Huh. Uh, and uh, as we went deeper into understanding why that was happening, we realized that this particular community that we started work with, uh, the children in the community had never stepped out of that neighborhood ever. Mm. Uh, the program we brought into into the school was the first time ever that they got access to something outside the community. Mm. Uh, so, you know, in, in that excitement, uh, you know, when we did the baseline, 
uh, the, the, the excitement of joining the program was so high that they showed very high level of life skills. But as we did the program for a year, the real life skills started coming out, which are at a very low level. Mm. So it gave us a very deep understanding of uh, what we need to do additionally to now help these kids get more exposure outside their neighborhoods. So we're using it for now strategic decision making. We're using it to understand trends at a program level, understand trends at gender levels, at age-appropriate levels. And it's become a very robust and uh, a very intensive tool for us to not only measure impact, but also design future programs. That's terrific and such an important objective for organizations like the one that you run and that many Ashoka fellows are running, how to quantify something that is so personal and involving human relations. And we don't t typically see metrics that are easily developed out of those interactions. So very helpful to hear you talk about that. Just so our listeners, if our listeners might want to follow up, am I correct that um, it's Dr. Dave Pearson and Dr. Fiona Kennedy? Would those be the, is that the work, the psychologists who have helped in this regard? That's right. That's absolutely right. And so they're uh, available on the internet. But uh, thank you for sharing that and the way that you use it. I wanted to also just ask you to comment on this. I've read and heard you talk about that a central part of your vision is around breaking barriers in the community with respect to caste, creed, or sex. And I've heard you talk about some specific examples of the young people who you've helped and stories of, of their transformation. I wonder if you could share a couple of stories about vision of breaking barriers around prejudice and, you know, the way that people view uh, others who come from unique backgrounds, especially because I think that work relates so closely to building empathy, which is the focus of Ashoka's inquiry right now about how fellows are building empathy out there in the world. Yeah, I'll probably share a couple of stories, one connected to a young person and one connected to a volunteer. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the other young people that we worked with came was, was a runaway kid uh, you know, who, who was brought into a shelter home for runaway boys. And uh, you know, then he joined uh, our various life skills programs in sports and arts and outdoor experiential camps. Uh, when he turned 18, he came up to us and he said, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been deeply impacted by the various programs that I've attended and uh, I want to make sure that other young people like me uh, now can have access to programs like yours. So could I start something in my own community uh, and could I start being a facilitator for your program? Uh, and he's, he's been a facilitator with us for the last three years uh, and he took his job very seriously. Uh, one of the programs that he was running for our community was a rugby program. Uh, and uh, you know, as organizations are a couple of years back, uh, we felt that we wanted to phase out the rugby program because we were not getting the requisite funding for it. And this young man, you know, in, a, in an entire team meeting, fought with us and, and said that, you know, we're not going to close off this program because it has created a deep impact on the lives of these young people in the community. Mm. And he brought us videos of uh, young people in the program who were uh, saying the, talking about the impact it has created in their life, uh, and he made us change the decision. Ah, that's because, a great story. <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, uh, he obviously realized that maybe the decision is deferred maybe for a year or two, but you know, ultimately the program will have to close down. So he identified a bunch of other young people from his team uh, who worked as young leaders, and they then set up their own rugby club in the community, uh, which today trains 150 children at their own expense. And, and, and they've moved out of Dream Dream and do this work entirely on their own. True. Uh, which was a phenomenal experience of uh, you know, how a young person can take leadership and, and take responsibility for their own lives and the change they want to bring into their own lives. Uh, and no one else could have done it other than a young person from the same community. Uh, you know, uh, so that was for us an amazing story. And honestly, it was all because of this young person's own sense of responsibility and leadership and wanting to change things in his life. Uh, there's very little that we did. Actually, we were the ones who were stopping him from it. Right. You know, so, you started uh, you started the chain reaction that led to that moment. So that's very yeah. rewarding to 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 be seeing that your work is expanding in ways that you couldn't have predicted. Um, yourself. So uh, that's a terrific story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Vishal, I know you have a big vision for the future. So tell me a little bit about where you see the direction of the work of Dream of Dream in the coming years. Uh, well, we do have, I believe we do have a robust uh, short-term vision, which is over the next three years, we are hoping that uh, we are able to take the idea of life skills uh, across the nation. Uh, we do we do recognize that uh, organizations by design have limitations in in the amount and value of impact they can create, which is why uh, we we are focusing on going open source and enabling an ecosystem which can adapt our life skills approach, adapt our various life skills programs, and start integrating those programs within their own programs within their own interventions. Uh, so we've spent a lot of time in the last two years in developing our curriculums, in refining our impact assessment systems, our monitoring systems, in, in, in designing our training design frameworks so that we can now start taking the work outside of Trainmetry uh, and integrate that into the larger ecosystem. Uh, over a longer term, our vision really is that life skills becomes an integral part of education learning, of learning for young people across the country, across caste and creed, across uh, rich and poor. Uh, and, and really then we are able to uh, you know, almost infuse a sense of uh, humanness uh, across the nation so that we are able to go back to our fundamental value systems of care and compassion and respect for one another and appreciation for one another irrespective of the backgrounds we come from. Oh, that's an awesome vision, and I know that you understand that that work will not only resonate in India but around the world because the education systems around the entire world are in need of the same help. Um, in closing, I wanted to just step back for a minute and think about the impact of your work on the whole world. And uh, to do this, I'd like to ask you to elaborate on something I heard you say in a talk that you gave to Ashoka's offices in India. Of course, I wasn't there. I saw the video. But um, you use the example of empowering a child who grows up in a slum and develops all the skills, but you know, then cannot be hired 
because of prejudice that remains in the larger community. And here's the specific quote. You said, empowerment will fail completely if we don't build a sensitive community around us. I find that to be such a profound statement that applies not only in India, but everywhere in the world. And I wonder if, in closing, you could say more about that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I come back to my statement that, you know, uh, the, more, the more I do this work, uh, the more I realize that, uh, you know, change can only happen within us. Uh, you know, the more I, I engage with these young people, I realize that what what this work does is open up, opens up uh, within me uh, uh, that sense of humanness that we are born with. And we lose that as we grow up and as we go through a certain education system, as we go through a certain way of upbringing uh, and become the perpetrators of that discrimination. Uh, and, 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 and for me, that's, uh, it, it's really important to recognize that uh, the real work is not so much about going out and finding vulnerable people and supporting them, but the real work is to finding those prejudices and stereotypes and mindsets within us and finding within us the courage to break out of them. Uh, which is where true empowerment and true sensitivity will happen, uh, especially in a world that we live today where the, the, there's an increasing divide uh, that's happening. Uh, the only thing that can reconnect us is, is the sense of uh, that we're all humans and we're all connected uh, by love and care and, and, and compassion for each other. Uh, I'm going to take what you just said and put it up as a quote. Uh, for Ashoka's Empathy Initiative because you, I think you just, as we would say in the United States, you hit the ball out of the park. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, Vishal, for people to learn more about Dream a Dream and to support its work, the best place to go would be to www.dreamadream.org. Do I have that right? That's absolutely right. And also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash dreamadream.org. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Vishal, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's very inspirational, and thank you for joining us today on the Innovate Podcast. Thank you very much, David, for the opportunity. It was wonderful talking to you, and thank you for the questions. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.